Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Poor. My guest today is Deborah Williams, and Deborah is going to talk about the housing crisis in the city of Albany. So, Deborah, what group do you work for, and what exactly do you do dealing with housing? Well, work work is kind of um, a <laughs> far-fetched term because I volunteer. Um, I have two organizations. I have my I have my own business, and um, but I do a lot of volunteer work, and that that organization is um, beloved community, and we do a lot of work with people in need. Okay, okay. So um, there's a because of renovations in some of the buildings, there's going to be a housing crisis. Can you give uh, our audience an overview of what's going on? Well, Albany Housing Authority, um, which is um, the public housing um, entity in the city of Albany, is going to be doing a major um, renovation in two of its facilities, Um one is a high rise, and then one is one of the nicer facilities that it has in the north end in the city of Albany. Mm-hmm. And the project itself is a very nice project. Um, it will it will um, bring up the quality of the housing stock. The problem is that um, this is taking place in a pandemic, and while Albany Housing Authority had no crystal ball to see this. Coming in order for those renovations to take place is going to displace a number of people, many of them in vulnerable populations. One of the one of the buildings um, has, I think, it's 242 tenants in that building, and virtually all of them are seniors or people living with disabilities. The other one has 160 units, is duplexes, and many of the people there are either seniors or younger people living with disabilities or with chronic illnesses. Many of them are also um, black people who you know are more susceptible to the coronavirus and tend to have more debilitating effects from that disease. And in talking to many of the tenants, um, because I've been doing a lot of work, I'm also a resident, um, so I'm a tenant organizer as well as a community organizer, and I've been living here 21 or 22 years this past November. And I've facilitated a lot of programs on the site and brought a lot of organizations in and worked with a lot of tenants. So when the tenants have a problem, many of them will contact me. And they have had a number of concerns. But many of the tenants don't have anywhere to go. And so Albany Housing has made it clear from the start that they will foot the cost for the disever, people don't have a place to go. Many of the people don't have a place to go. And that's a concern. And even for some of those tenants that might have a place to go, they're concerned about where they will go in a pandemic. And so this has exacerbated um, a lot of their, a lot of their um, issues that they have already had. Many of the people that live here, um, they're living here because of a problem. When I moved here, for example, I was in a wheelchair and a single parent, and um, and I moved here because of that. 
um, because I, you know, after becoming disabled, I could not move back into my home after being in a nursing home. And many people have similar situations. Um, So this is really quite the crisis within a community that has a housing crisis already. Uh, We do not have enough affordable housing. We do not have enough accessible housing. Um, I have been working for years and work one-on-one with people who are um, not permanently housed, with people who are homeless, and so this is creating a problem within a problem. So all in all, how many people will be displaced I don't have those numbers because as in my role, I don't have the exact numbers. I don't have access um, to the census, so I don't know how many live in each house. I know the number of households, but most households have more than one person, 242, roughly 242 plus 160 households. Mm. So when these renovations start, First of all, when are they supposed to start? Well, see, this is the let me let me tell you what happened. Back in the middle of August of last year, Albany Housing had a meeting, and I'll be honest with you, the meeting was not very well attended by residents. I did attend that meeting, and it was a virtual meeting, and many residents did not come on to that meeting. And um, the notes of that meeting have been on Albany Housing Authority's website for quite some time, and I've directed many people to that website. And But since that meeting, there was a vacuum of information. And after that meeting, many tenants were afraid. And I have talked to a number of people. I've talked to a number of Albany Housing staff. I've talked to um, a couple of members of the board, of the board of the commissioners, and I explained to people that there's a fear that people um, know now that there's this renovation project that's going to happen, and they know it's going to happen sometime in the future. And while there are a few people that said, you know, we don't need to do this, most of the people I've talked to, they don't have a problem with the fact that the renovations are going to happen, but they are afraid about what it means for them, where they're where they going to be. And so for months, there's been no additional information. Um, there were letters for the tenants in the North Albany site. I don't have all the information, so I don't want to um, act like I have all of the details. But there was a letter, mm-hmm. um, a two-page letter dated January 8th that was stuck in the doorway of the tenants on the North Albany site. And that was the first time tenants got accurate, you know, consistent information from Albany Housing. One of the problems is that when there's not regular um, information coming from the landlord, from Albany Housing, that leaves room for mythology. And so you have there this pandemic that's happening. You have um, the residual effects of the pandemic happening in people's lives already. People are out of work. People have been downsized. Um, people living with food insecurity. Um, in, in the area where both of these projects are taking place, there's an existing food desert. There's an existing service um, desert. Uh, we don't have services where both of these 
um, housing complexes are. We don't have the level of services anyway. Now, that's not Albany Housing's fault, but that exacerbates the mindset and the the ability of the tenants that live in both of those sites to get what they need. And so now you add to that that they now have this reality that this big thing is going to happen to me, and I don't know what that means for me. And now all I know is that this is going to happen, and they Albany Housing did give a lot of information about the details about the renovation, but not a lot of information about the details of what it means for the individual person. And while I absolutely understand why in a meeting they could not do that, to have this big space where you got no specific information, it left so much room for all kinds of speculation. And I cannot begin to tell you if I had eight hours, all of the different stories that I heard of and I spent have spent so much time talking to so many tenants, just telling them, listen, I don't know about that, but I doubt if that's going to happen. I don't know about that, but I doubt if that's going to happen. All kinds of things, from the ridiculous to the sublime. But I don't blame the tenants because when someone is afraid and they don't have accurate information from the source, then they fill it in with all kinds of possibilities. And sometimes tenants were talking to one another, and sometimes they would talk to someone that used to live here or any random person, and so there was speculation. So in on the north end side, this letter dated January 8th was put in, stuck into the doorways that explained a little more. And some residents, most of the residents had been sent new leases. And when people got the new lease document, Many of the residents did not understand the leases. I spent a good amount of time. I did not get the lease, and we can go into that later. But it changed because oh boy, it's a really a HUD issue that the nature of the financing and some of those issues in Albany Housing would be best to talk about that and how the property is being subsidized and the rents are being subsidized is going to change and that changes the nature of the lease agreement um, between the tenant and Albany Housing. So it's new lease agreements. When tenants started receiving those new lease agreements, it added another level of fear. And that's when I got a whole nother slew of telephone calls. And I spent quite a bit of time on the phone um, speaking to a number of tenants and explaining to them what some of these things meant. I had a few tenants that literally came to my door, and because of the pandemic, I don't just answer my door. I don't have people in my home because I have an autoimmune issue, and I have to be very careful myself. I'm actually on autoimmune suppressant um, medication. And so it became another issue, and the fear, you know, rose up in people, again, at a very high level. This did not have to happen this way. I feel that had there been a process of ongoing information sharing with the tenants and all along um, beyond that meeting that happened the middle of August last year, that this did not have to happen. Meanwhile, there are tenants here um, that are trying to make any kind of arrangement um, that's not necessarily safe um, just to ensure that they have a place to live. And 
I do a lot of work with the tenants. I've been doing some work around food insecurity and some of the issues around health disparities. And, you know, at the end of the year, I was helping tenants um, choose uh, managed care plans and linking them with services for those tenants that have Medicare. I was talking to tenants um, about some resources um, for housing for family members um, because not being able to pay rent, there were some tenants that needed help with support and paying their rent because they had gotten behind and I connected them to some local resources here and it, the beloved community organization has been co-sponsoring um, some of the food drives and working with some local organizations here and doing that. And in between, we've been getting food delivered to tenants on site and just helping people through. It seems that uh, Deborah has dropped, so I'm going to call her again. Hello. I'm Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So you were saying about food insecurity. And so in doing that work with getting food to tenants and in helping them with these other issues, um, we've become very aware of their needs right now. And so we're hearing from them about these things. And so as they're asking questions, what am I going to do? Where am I going to live? You know, where am I going to go when they do these renovations? So we're in a place to hear more and more of their concerns. And so as they began getting these new leases, it, you know, it really um, escalated their fear all over again. So and has that, City Hall has City Hall uh helped with this situation? Not that I know of. I mean, to my knowledge, the involvement of City Hall is that the mayor's office appoints some of the members um to the board and mm-hmm. it's the board of commissioners that makes the policy decisions, but it's the the staff of Albany Housing Authority that carries out you know, the work of the authority. Um, mm-hmm. So they're responsible for doing this. And so it's really the Albany Housing Authority, the staff, that has the responsibility of carrying out, the you know, this kind of work. So exactly where is the housing located that you're talking about? It's in, it's in North Albany and on the borderline of Arbor Hills, just as you begin to go to North Albany. Um, Ida, the Ida Yarborough High Rise is okay. on North, well, North Pearl Street okay. and just past Livingston Avenue. And North Albany Homes, which will be called, I think, Ida North, um, I'm not looking at the paperwork right now, um, is just, it's just downhill from Albany Memorial Hospital. So it's okay. between, yeah, between Lawn Avenue and North First Street, and between North Pearl and Van Rensselaer Boulevard. Okay, so when people became aware that this 
going to be a dislocation for a certain amount of time. How long will each apartment be vacant for renovations? In other words, how long will people be displaced? This is not known. Now, there's... um, the paperwork has said, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of months, but just this morning I had two calls from two separate tenants, not together. They don't know one another to my knowledge. And they told me they were just told two different things by two different staff persons. Um, one, and they did not, these are not official staff people that I know of that are involved in this process. One person said, I was just told, um, they called me after they got off the phone, supposedly, I don't know this to be true, with someone that works at Albany Housing Authority. Said, the renovations could take a year, and they said that there's been a delay in the start date. And, I mean, these are the kind of calls that I'm getting. And um, the second tenant that called me said, I was told that the the renovations have been delayed and it's not going to start for over a year in our complex in North Albany. I don't know any of this to be true, but this is the exact problem. This is one of the main problems. This is what's been happening, that it's been innuendo, and I heard and I overheard. There are ways, I mean, with the work I've done with my company, with my for-profit business, I have gotten contracts and worked with major building and renovation projects. One of the things you do with the public, with tenants, with neighbors, is that you get out in front of this and you share information. You don't leave this vacuum for these guessing games. You scare people unnecessarily and you leave it wide open. It's like a game of telephone. And this person says this and adds that. And it's not out of maliciousness. This is out of fear. And we're already living in a pandemic, we're living in a severe economic downturn. We have political and racial strife. We have all these other things that are creating this at- atmosphere um, that's not good. And now you're adding this other layer. And if you're honest, and um, I, it's funny because um, I did a newspaper article um, and another tenant, um, and the day that newspaper article came out, we had already planned to attend the Albany Housing Board meeting, and I in the past have attended Albany Housing Board meetings, but because I've been so busy with other things, I have not attended a, that a board meeting with Albany Housing in at least two years. But I decided to attend a board meeting a couple of weeks ago, and that was the exact day the newspaper article came out in the in the Albany Times Union, and and naturally this issue came up. One of the board members asked about it, and the we had already spoke. The public comment period was at the beginning of the board meeting. And so I did not say anything because I had not registered to say anything at the board meeting. And when the executive director responded to the board member's inquiry, one of the things she said is that, you know, I nor the other tenant had come to her with specific questions. And it wasn't so much about coming to the executive director. I do feel comfortable to do that. And if it was something I felt I needed to come to her specifically about, I would have. It was more Mm -hmm. about the process for the authority as an agency to speak to their tenants. Now, in the past, in the recent past, um, I've talked to Albany Housing and shared with them about their communication with the tenant, that I felt that it needed 
um, to be increased, that they needed to do better, um, that that needed to be a relationship that needed to be strengthened. Um, on I said throughout Albany Housing, but particularly um, with North Albany Homes. And so I think that this is a symptom of a bigger problem, to be quite honest with you. Mm. And what is that bigger problem? Well, I think that some of the best, and I have a little experience with this in the past, I think that the relationship between Albany housing and the tenants um, could be a stronger and could be um, a more positive relationship. I think that um, the tenants um, have a vested interest in this complex being um, the best that it can be, and not just in this complex, and, you know, throughout Albany housing, that there are some common there are some common goals. I mean, the tenants want, for the most part, um, the housing stock to be strong. The tenants want this to be a positive place to live, want it to be safe, mm-hmm. um, want it to be affordable. Um, and I, that's a common interest that the Board of Commissioners and that the corporation wants. And I think that there could be a lot more linking arms and working together that, that would work for both parties. And I think there are many opportunities where that does not happen. Um, back when we were having the shootings, the many shootings in Albany last year, there were a couple mm-hmm. of shootings on the, on the um, North Albany Homes um, complex. And there was um, the landlord did not say anything to the tenant. And I had many tenants contacted me um, at that time. And I had um, hosted a tenant meeting, a virtual tenant meeting, and drafted a statement um, that the tenants um, dictated to me and sent it to Albany Housing, and they hosted a meeting. And one of the things that I said is that I thought that it was no less than appalling, not malicious, but, you know, really appalling, that Albany Housing had not initiated some kind of communication with the tenants after there were at least two shooting incidents on, you know, on the complex, on one complex. Because I said if, if, and I think anyone would, if anyone was a landlord, if you had one, you know, one home, you know, um, one two-family home, and if there was one shooting, much less two, um, in front of that home or around that home, you would contact your tenants that lived in that home and say, are you okay? I just think that's, that's a very human thing to do. And so to know that there were two shootings on a complex, if you have 160 units, I just think that's what you do, especially since we live here and you have a history of sending us um, putting letters and notices in the door if people have the swimming pools out too long, the kiddie pools in the yard, or if, you know, they don't park in the right place, or if there's garbage cans that out too late. And I have no problem with that. But if you can do that, then if there are two shootings on site, couldn't you draft a note for the letter for that and say, we had two shootings, you know, we hope that you're okay. You know, if you're not, feel free to call us. To Just say nothing. You know, I've managed housing, and I had a lot less than that happen, and I reached out to the tenants to say, you know, are you okay? And I just thought it warranted conversation or at least communication. And so, again, I think these are symptoms of a bigger problem. And I think having 
Albany Housing having a strong, positive relationship with the tenant could so benefit the corporation. It could benefit the housing stock. It could make the job of Albany Housing easier. I think the tenants could be a benefit to the corporation, and the corporation could be a benefit to the tenant. And I think at one time, as someone who's lived here for a while, I think at one time the relationship was better. So from your understanding of the situation, you think this will be an ongoing crisis for a while? For some people probably because, and I say this as someone who has lived with a disability, who was I wasn't born with a disability, but I know sometimes when I have an experience where I'm not accommodated, it can have a ripple effect on my life. So if you have uh-huh. a tenant that has not even a disability but a chronic illness or that has a child, I talked to one tenant that she's not disabled, but she has she has a young son who has a chronic illness. And she said, no, he doesn't get disability, so he's not at the level where I get Social Security disability from him, but he has a chronic illness that I have to tend to, that I have to be in communication with his with the nurse at school about. And she said, if I can't just go and live in the house of one of my relatives because they smoke, I can't live in the, go into a household, I can't visit a household where people smoke because of his chronic illness. And she says, so just mm-hmm. because it's not, a, you know, listed as a disability, that's not something I can do. She said, if I go to a wrong setting and it exacerbates his chronic illness, we're back in the hospital. I don't want to have to even take him to a hospital in a pandemic. I don't mean if he gets this coronavirus because of um, the problems with his respiratory system, it could affect him in a worse way. And he's not the only child I have. So there could be you know, the ripple effects that it would have on not just her child, but her, her family, her ability then to work and earn an income. Mm-hmm. And, yes, it's a ripple effect. And that's how, that's how poverty happens, you know. So, so what I'm saying is there are a lot of people here. We have a woman here who, I mean, she is a volunteer and has worked with the beloved community with the Food and Security Project, and she's a double amputee. And and she is on autoimmune, you know, um, suppressant drugs, and she's been volunteering and helping. Where's she gonna go? We have we have two women that I I know of um, that are in scooters. We have one tenant here who recently, somewhat recently, had a surgical procedure, and she's not qualified. She's not disabled. Is you know, she doesn't have social security disability. How do I know this? Because when we were taking food to her and found out what was going on, she needed help with other things. We've helped her with this. Uh-huh. So she's not listed as disabled, and she's not a senior citizen, but she definitely needs help. You know, she could, if we submitted her paperwork, I think she would be, you know, deemed dis- disabled. But there are uh-huh. quite that live here. And I think okay, well, this may be the camel the, the, the this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back, as my mom would say. Okay, like let me make this suggestion. This problem is not going to go away tomorrow. And as no. you encounter the situations that you think should be aired, um, I'll give you my uh, phone number after the. The the call is over, and then call me anytime, and we could do other shows to 
uh, enlighten people as to what's going on in Albany with the Housing Authority. So um, do you have any contact information that you'd like to share with people right now? Yeah, I mean, if people want to contact me, um, I work numbers 518-378-5574, and um, that's that's my direct number. Um, It's the beloved community, and uh, we're always um, working with people, and if people are in need, we do a lot of referrals. We work with a lot of organizations, and we're here to help fill in the gaps because they're continue. There are a lot of good agencies out here, but there are also a lot of service gaps. Terrific. So uh, we'll talk again, I'm sure. You've been listening to Deborah Williams, and I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focused on Albany, and if you like this show, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Deborah, I look forward to other conversations with you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.